Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our weekly Penguins chat. Andrew Destin here with Matt Venzel. We're coming to you guys right after Monday's practice here at the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex up in Cranberry. Um, before we get into anything, I want to remind you that this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella, who can help you save on energy costs year-round. Schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella Windows and Doors to find the right product for your home and budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. Again, that's 866-593-1560 to get started planning on your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. Um, well, Matt, um, you were in the locker room. Both of us were today at practice. Um, I think the urgency could be felt by most of these guys, just given what transpired over this past weekend, which we'll get into, but just uh, kind of assess the mood of both in the locker room as well as just at practice today, first time Penguins coming back from the road trip. Yeah, it's a, a grumpy group. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're hungover like me after the Super Bowl. Um, you know, they did some battle drills, which is not something that we really see very often under Mike Sullivan. Maybe they were a little grumpy too, because having to go out there and knock each other around a little bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, in all seriousness, like the the reality is is kind of set in, or at least it's glaring to these players of where they stand in the standings. Um, you know, when they went for that stretch, you know, after Christmas. Um, you know, into February where they maybe weren't winning a ton of games, but they were at least salvaging points. It was able to kind of buoy them in the standings and they were able to say, okay, um, you know, we're only a few points out. But um, just dropping these two games, even if it's kind of understandable how that happened, um, it's just put them really behind the eight ball. I mean, right now they're nine points behind Philadelphia for third place in the Metro. Um, and they're seven points out of the last wildcard spot with – needing to leapfrog four teams to get there. So, you know, there's 33 games left. They have a few games in hand on some of these teams, but, you know, they actually have to win the games in hand for it to have any real benefits. So, you know, I just think the players realize, um, you know, especially with the trade deadline looming over everything, that uh, time has run it out for them to actually, you know, be the, the team they all thought that they could be when the season began. Yeah, you mentioned those games in hand. It feels like it's such a different mood, I guess, for getting from the players because coming before the road trip, the talk was of how these games in hands, yeah, you got to win them, but there was kind of a confidence that I guess the players were all collectively demonstrating. Um, I don't know if it was quite the same mood there. I mean, when you talk about running out of time, I don't want to go too outlandish here, but you're right. I mean, the trade deadline is coming up. It's less than a month away. Um, you know, it just feels like there there is certainly a little bit more of a pressure there, and um, it makes you wonder, I mean, what are you looking at this next stretch of games? Like what realistically can happen for this team and what needs to happen for them to, you know, keep this group together? Well, they got to win some games. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, even getting the loser points isn't going to be good enough at this point. Um, yeah. You know, you look at their inability to string together wins this year. Um, they only have two winning streaks of three games or more all year. Uh, they had the five-gamer early in the season. They kind of righted the ship. They went out to California, got a little bit of a roll. And then the three games coming out of Christmas where it was like, okay, like they were carrying, you know, continuing that momentum they had in December. But that's it. So, um, you know, it, it's just hard to climb in the standings, especially with the extra bonus point for losing in overtime or regulation. Um, it's hard to climb the standings without stringing wins together. And the Penguins just have not been able to do it. And, you know, I know they talked a lot recently 
um, about, yeah, we're just getting points in these games, sure, but to, to really make some noise and make some moves, they need to get two points, two points, two points, two points, and, and climb. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, the, the math. I know there's some uh, – we were talking about this before we recorded, just like the – some of the projection models that say their playoff chances and that factors in advanced analytics. Um, it's not just straight probability, but um, you know, s- some of these a- analytic models still say that the pens have a 50% chance or what did you say? What was the one you cited? It was a, uh, I think the athletic headed to the 75% chance was the model there. Yeah. yeah I mean, that seems uh, <laughs> I'm not seeing that. So um, whatever it is, they got to start winning some games because it's just, it's, it's, they're not going to gain any, they haven't gained ground. You know, it, as good as their record has been in terms of getting points over the last two months, they've lost ground in the standings since, you know, two months ago today when they started that that run in December where they started, you know, stringing some at least some good efforts together. So, yeah, I mean, the math is starting to become pretty concerning for this team. And, look, there's still 40% of the season left, 33 games left. That feels like a lot, but it's not, especially if the tread deadline comes up and they remain this far out of playoff position, that's probably going to force Cal Dubas to, to punt for next year, I would think. Right. I would say they, I would say they should, honestly, if, if they're this far out of the trade deadline. Right. It feels at that point it's kind of, you know, it's each situation is unique, but it's not terribly dissimilar from what we saw last year approaching the trade deadline with the Washington Capitals, where it was a team that was certainly still in the mix and had a bunch of veteran guys, but they still kind of went for that sell just because that was the most logical play, right? So I'm not – saying that it's an apples to apples comparison by any means, but um, I just think there's so many underlying numbers here. And I know we'll get into them a little bit more continue with this podcast, but um, you know, defensively, certainly the Penguins have been probably better than expected coming into the year, but um, there's kind of been an issue with finishing off goals and getting scoring, uh, especially these last I think dozen games, it's been 28 goals in total. Um, It's not a new conversation. It's one that we had last season about, you know, how many expected goals they were supposed to have and how much, below that number that they were again it feels like these underlying metrics these underlying numbers are maybe giving guys confidence but recently um the results just haven't been there and it's starting to i think maybe rear its ugly head and get into the room and kind of get into the practice uh vibes at least that's been my impression of it yeah one thing mike sullivan always talks about with his players is is kind of trust the process um we're not talking about the 76ers right now, but that, that is what it, you know, the way they look at things like, all right, like, look, let's look at the big picture, focus on how we're playing, what we're doing, the chances we're generating and giving up, even if the results aren't there. And, you know, the belief is that over an 82 game season, um, you know, things will, things will work out the way they should. And that just has not been the case with this team, at least from like an expected goal standpoint, the last two years, um, you know, I, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but as of a week ago, uh, they had scored 35 goals fewer than their expected goals total. So that's pretty pretty alarming. And, I, you know, I don't know quite what to make about that. And I can understand that probably being a frustrating thing for players saying, okay, well, we have all these numbers that say we're doing some good things here, but we are still not getting any results at this point. So, um, yeah, so they're, they're uh, you know, I, I think they are still trying to look at the big picture with the process stuff, but, you know, they have to kind of worry at this point, like, okay, like, even when we do good things, we're not getting rewarded for it the way we should. And, uh, I mean, maybe that's a segue into this weekend because I feel like Minnesota game, they played all right. You were there. You were on the scene. Uh, yep. Winnipeg game, not so much. And, and it's really that Winnipeg game that, you know, Lars Eller said today, he was like, oh, that, that game 
made me sick to my stomach. Like I still feel that way today, two days later. So you're on the road. What did we learn about this team? Well, you pretty much learned similar stuff from Lars Eller today, chatting with him just briefly over here in that conversation because I talked with him after the game Saturday in Winnipeg. And um, that was a big takeaway for my, myself as well was just how upset all the guys were after that one. Um, and understandably, right, it's a difficult game, the second leg of a back-to-back where you're playing a much tougher opponent in Winnipeg. But um, in terms of what we learned is just that, yeah, I mean, the scoring struggles are rearing their heads. But um, more so, I think it's that the four forward lines that all season they've been kind of convicted in that process, the stats have backed it up of saying, hey, these are things that we feel really good about. Um, I think there was a lot of, you know, a lot of discontent, I think is probably a way of putting it, especially after that Winnipeg game. I don't think anybody felt happy about any individual performances. Um, And I think what we learned is that there's kind of a dueling dynamic, I guess, of how this team wants to play, according to Mike Sullivan, and how they're susceptible to playing at times. And I bring that up to say, um, that first period that Lars Eller was so upset about, where the Penguins are trading chance for chance with the Jets. Um, Sullivan is not happy about that. Eller is not happy about that. Most guys in the locker room don't want to play that way, but it still has a propensity for coming up at They times. say they don't want to play that way. They, they say they do. They do it. Exactly. Right? So that's where, I, that's where my mind goes. Is like It feels like this dueling personality thing. That's what I learned is just that, this weekend was a clear-cut example of how uh, two different approaches can kind of uh, collide with one another and lead to guys expressing themselves uh, uh, quite, quite, because you don't see that usually from hockey players, right? Well, I mean, Lars Eller takes losses so hard it makes me, like, uncomfortable. Like, I always go up to him because he's going to give me good quotes, but I'm also just, like, really just worried for his well-being because he is so upset or despondent sometimes. And... Um, same thing with Brian Rust. I mean, Brian Rust, that man cannot hide his emotions. Even today, um, you know, usually a couple days later after a loss, he's back to normal and smiling. But he had a pretty uh, significant scowl on in the locker room. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, these guys know. I mean, a little over two months left and uh, time's already ticking. Yeah, a little anecdote on Brian Rust just to chime in there. On Saturday after the game, I went up to him to ask him a question. And he was like, I'm not saying no. I just want to wait until more people come. I want to make sure everybody here is it. <laughs> waited for a group of reporters to come so that everybody could talk to Brian Russ. He's like, I know more people are going to come. I know what my value is here, and I tell it how it is. I give the guy credit. I give him credit on that one. But, um, but all told, yeah, not a good weekend for the Penguins. And based off of the attendance today at practice, um, things could be trending in the wrong direction again. Um, and I bring that up just to say there's some housekeeping items to go with. Um, another player has joined Nolachari with a, a concussion. Uh, that's Jansen Harkins. They're both sidelined with concussions. And two members of the big three, uh, either out at practice or left practice early, and Evgeny Malkin and Chris Tang. I'm not saying to read into those things too, too much, but as you astutely pointed out with Malkin, um, this isn't the first maintenance day he's had uh, recently, is it? No. Um, yeah, whenever you see multiple maintenance days in a short period of time, that tells you that it's probably not a maintenance thing and the guy's dealing with an injury sometimes the player gets back to normal and they resume practicing normally other times um you know you get a email press release saying that jason zucker needs surgery or matt nieto needs surgery so um we'll see our our good buddy seth Rohrbach from the trib said that uh he got uh to practice a little bit before us he said gino took a little twirl on the ice and chris stewart the head athletic trainer was watching him um so at least that tells you that he was thinking about coming out in practice. But yeah, 
for a guy like Malkin at his age and also how important he is, um, you know, you can't even afford to have him playing through an injury and being quite limited. So that's something to watch. Mike Sullivan said Crystal Tang also is dealing with some bumps and bruises, so that's not great. Um, and then even just in like the bigger – or uh, I guess not the bigger picture, but the smaller picture here. I mean, this upcoming game against Florida on Wednesday, um, obviously every game is a big game, but, you know, the Penguins are looking at something where they could be shorthanded uh, for this game, depending on the injury stuff. I mean, you know, we'll see about Malkin and Latang, but even if Achari and, and Harkins are not cleared through the concussion protocol, um, the Penguins won't have 12 healthy forwards. Um, they can't really make a roster moves or bring up somebody from the minor leagues unless they put one of these guys on long-term IR. So, um, you know, a lot for them to kind of sift out here in the next couple of days to figure out you know, what they're going to have in terms of even having a, an ideal lineup of 12 forwards and six defensemen. I mean, they could just go with 7D, 11 forwards. Um, but, you know, if, if Latang or Malkin is, is, you know, suddenly out as well, um, you know, we could be looking at a game where the Pens play with fewer than 18 skaters, which is not completely uncommon in today's NHL. I know that happened uh, sometimes under Dubas in Toronto, just as teams are really up against the cap. Um, but not ideal when you are looking to rebound after a real stinker uh, in Winnipeg. Yeah, certainly not when you're uh, trailing in the standings as much as this Penguins team is, too. I mean, um, my mind goes to a number of places, certainly. I mean, just with those guys, you know. Like the Super Bowl? <laughs> I figured that was going to come up at some right. juncture. I was waiting on that in one. In case you guys don't know, um, Andrew here is from San Francisco area. It's a hard day for him. It's a real tough one. And, you know, I never show it on my cap or anything that I'm from the Bay Area. It's just something I'm not obnoxious about in any aspect. But it's uh, been a rough one. But um, just to get back on that convo, though, with Malkin, I mean, um, my mind kind of goes to the place of how long has this been something that's been nagging with him? And I bring that up just to say the last 15 games, I think he's got two goals. Uh, the production really since after uh, the Christmas break um, has not been up to his standards. I mean, I'm not asking you to – expand upon that in a way of saying hey do we think he's been hurt for a month but like you know this is certainly not good timing for a guy who's been reeling for the last month and change has it no i mean maybe it could end up being a boon for the power play if they don't have to worry about putting him out there in the short term but otherwise yeah i mean this team is so short-handed uh in terms of just like scoring in the bottom six like you know as frustrating as malkin has been over the last couple of months with his up and down play and his um, you know, some of the decisions he makes with the puck or his lapses defensively, like he's still such an important player for this team. Um, so, you know, they need to get him healthy and they need to get him going, um, you know, because as we've seen, the team continues to be so reliant on the Crosby line. Um, and yeah, so we'll see. We'll see if this is just like a little thing he's dealing with or if it's uh, a bigger problem that is eventually going to lead to him being sidelined for a while. Yeah, well, certainly a big stretch of games coming up here. You know, a number of home ones aside from the back-to-back -back coming up in the middle of the week um, with playing at Chicago. Um, the Penguins playing at home against Florida, as Matt mentioned, on Wednesday, then at Chicago. Um, but then coming back home over the weekend to play the L.A. Kings. And I would say it's safe to assume that the marquee of that night is not because they're playing the Los Angeles Kings. Um, there's something else important going on that night, isn't there? There is. It's Yarmer Yager. He's getting his jersey retired. That's right. Do you even know who Yarmer Yager is? You're so young. So my Yager story, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, I was four years old when I got my first video games. 
and one of them was Backyard Hockey 2003, and that's how I learned who Yarmir Yager was when he was in 2003 in the game. So that's your excuse to now call me a child because I'm referencing a Backyard Hockey video game for Yarmir Yager. That's my story. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm working on a story now and talking to some of his former players. So as someone who is not um, barely 20 years old, like Andrew here, I'm middle-aged. I grew up in the area. I was I was old enough to remember the first two cup runs and Yager's role in it. So, you know, on one hand, I, I think it's awesome that Yager's finally getting recognized. I mean, we all know why it's taken this long. Um, you know, obviously he's still playing. Um, that relationship had to be kind of smoothed out. I know Yager wasn't sure that Pittsburgh fans um, liked him and appreciated him because they booed him when he came back as an opponent. Um, so it was a lot of things that kind of led to this being put off for so long. So it's great this is finally happening. And I also think, you know, just talking to some of Yager's former teammates from those teams, um, you know, it's kind of great that that era of Penguins hockey, the, the whole team is sort of getting recognized this weekend. Um, you know, there's a lot of young fans, um, you know, who only remember this current golden era of, of Crosby and Malkin and, you know, they, they weren't around or, you know, didn't experience the first cup run. So I think it's kind of cool the entire team, um, which we're talking about some of the greatest rosters in NHL history. I mean, some of these teams, um, you know, I think it's great that these other players are kind of get getting a little bit of the spotlight too is, uh, the Penguins and their fans relive those 91 and 92 Cups and, you know, the years that followed. Yeah, I know in talking to some of those teammates, like you mentioned, like a Brian Trottier, just chatting with him a couple of months back when this first uh, news first broke, you know, how excited those guys were just on behalf of Yager for a multitude of reasons. One being, like you said, just being able to come back to Pittsburgh and be honored in any capacity because it's a guy who obviously is still – pretty busy these days with still manning, uh, managing slash owning a team and playing on said team back in his uh, native Czech. So uh, there's part of that too, but I think, you know, obviously the more important element here from a Penguins perspective is just having the guy back on the scene will certainly be um, a cool moment. And I think for, like you said, for all those guys to be there, I think that's uh, that's something that's really cool and certainly something that I'm looking forward to as somebody who's never seen the guy in person. I've heard nothing but good stories of him being an affable personality, both from watching clips on YouTube and hearing exploits of his. So uh, it's certainly something that I'm looking forward to, no question. What, uh, anything else that comes to mind to you that's uh, looking forward to about that evening? I mean, I'm looking forward to it being like a 3 o'clock start time <laughs> so I can go to bed at a, at a decent hour for once. I'm not going to disagree with that. I did it. I enjoyed it's all about six- me. It's all about <laughs> me. I, honestly, I enjoyed the 6 p.m. start in Winnipeg. I was like, I'm back in – the hotel is like a block from the arena. I was back in my room by 10 o'clock, and I was like, this is great. I can watch the Kings beat the Oilers. This is nice. More hockey. Great. Um, we're keeping this one to a short podcast, though. We do have to hightail out of, hit, hightail out of here in a little bit. Wanted to segue just into our last topic, of course, uh, our weekly stick taps. Um, wanted to see what you've got on your plate, Matt. Who are you looking at for stick taps from this past week or looking ahead to this uh, this week ahead for the Penguins? Uh, well, my first stick tap goes to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I know this is a hockey podcast, but, um, you know, it's just great, you know, witnessing such greatness like that in the Super Bowl. Uh, what about your stick tap? Um, I'm going to go to Lars Eller. Uh, shocker, I'm not going to give it to the Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs, and their beloved quarterback. But um, I'm going to give it to Lars just because, like you said, after losses, he's a guy to go to. 
And I appreciate that kind of honesty and responsibility that sees somebody who, um, regardless of a loss, uh, regardless of how the team plays, he's always more than willing to talk. His demeanor might be a little scary um, for myself sometimes, um, but all told, like that's always somebody who's appreciative that he speaks with us and um, looking forward to hopefully showing a, a little bit of a lighter side of Lars later this week, the story. So stay tuned on that front as well. My real stick tab goes to Tristan Jari. Uh, he's been really good the last couple of games. Um, the shutout uh, at home against Winnipeg, he was, you know, only made 23 saves, but made some really key ones in the second and third periods, especially in the third where the Pens look like they might be on the verge of another third period collapse. And then he was really good. I mean, you were there in Winnipeg. Um, you know, the players talked about how it easily could have been 5-1, the final score, not 2-1 um, because of him. So we'll see. As always with Tristan, it's like, okay, great. It looks like he's starting to get going. We'll see if that continues. I mean, that to me will be uh, about as big as anything, uh, you know, right up there with the power play. that The Penguins are going to go on, you know, this run of wins that we've been talking about them needing to go on. It, it's going to take good goaltending and it's going to take – you know, the power of play finally clicking. And I, I think Tristan's play over the last couple of games um, gives hope that he might do his part there, and, and we'll see uh, if the rest of the team in front of him can get going as well. Couldn't put it any better myself. I think that articulates things perfectly and is a good way for us to close out our weekly chat. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in as always. Stay tuned for Matt's story coming out this weekend and as well as all the rest of our content on posthypinggazette.com covering the Penguins and all things Pittsburgh sports. So appreciate you guys as always, and we will catch you all again next week. Thank you for checking out this content from Post Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.